This is Basketball U. On Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. What's up and welcome to a fresh Basketball U here on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tyler Rocky talking all things college basketball with you every single week. Be sure to subscribe. You'll get the latest episodes in your feed whenever they drop, whether that's on the ESPN Chicago app or Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. You can follow me at Tyler Aki underscore. That's Tyler, A-K-I underscore. And be sure to tell all of your college hoops loving friends about the show as well. Today, I want to get into a bunch of stuff because we've got a coaching search happening at the University of Texas. We've got some really odd things happening. I get it's early, but we've got some odd things happening at the top of each of the conference standings. I want to go through the top three in the preseason poll for each conference of the major conferences and the top three as we currently sit here on January 10th as well. And also an NBA superstar is loving himself some college basketball as well. And I'll give you a fresh top 12 as well. But let's get into the Texas coaching search right out of the gate here because pretty much once I posted the the last episode, we got word that Texas was parting ways with Chris Beard after the investigation into the uh, strangling of his partner. And this is a a big-time job that's all of a sudden been made available. This is a job that really I don't think people thought would become available for, what, maybe the next 20 or so years. I mean, Chris Beard, when you look at his track record and what he's done as a coach um, and his age right now, he's only 49 years old. You figured... He probably wasn't going to get fired from his alma mater, given the way that he has coached in the past for at least 10, 20 years. And for this job to all of a sudden become available, it's an attractive job. And especially with Texas moving to the SEC, the resources are going to continue to flood into the program right now. They're rolling with interim head coach Rodney Terry, who's done a nice job so far ever since taking over the the program. But there's a couple of different pieces out there right now about, all right, who is Texas going to look at? Who are some of the long shots? Who are some of the big swings they can take and who is actually realistic? So I want to go through three different articles that I read one from stadium where Jeff Goodman lays out the, the case for different guys. Another from ESPN with Jeff Borzello and the last from Seth Davis at the athletic laying out the guys that he thinks could be in line for this Texas job. All right. So, Looking at Goodman's piece here to start out of stadium, uh, also with the field of 68, does fantastic work. Um, I do want to have Jeff on the show at some point as well. Uh, But he kind of goes through a bunch of different factors here. He goes through the job description, who's making the decision as the athletic director. And then he's got different tiers of, of guys. He's got the why not try. These are kind of pie in the sky guys. And there's one name in particular, actually two, that I want to look into there and um, kind of flesh out. Then he's got the next tier. Get them on the phone. These are realistic guys, I think, for this job. Then there's the wild card, a safe pick, and then ultimately he tells you who he's going to end up picking. Here's the long shot. This is the why not try category here. And it leads off with a very interesting name and one that is certainly pertinent here in Chicago. Billy Donovan, head coach of the Chicago Bulls, 
Obviously, you have to wait and see what happens with Donovan Goodman rights and find out, one, if he's available, and two, if he has any interest in returning to college. Remember, over his last 10 seasons at Florida, Donovan won two national titles, went to another Final Four, and had three more Elite Eight appearances. If he's on board and locked in, he's the guy I am hiring, period. Now, here's what we know as Bulls fans with Billy Donovan. He just signed an extension this past offseason. Be tough to see him foregoing all the money and, and guarantees that he has as a head coach in the NBA. There's only 30 of those jobs and they are highly sought-after jobs as well. I look at Billy Donovan. I think he's pretty steadfast in staying in the NBA for now, but whenever he ends up leaving or getting fired, I do see him going back to college. I think at heart he is a collegiate coach. Just look at what he has done, even with the Bulls, too. Some things feel very collegiate with him, whether it's the the trips to Europe to go talk to some of his players like Vooch. I think he met up with Dragic too out in Europe as well. Like that's something that just you could tell there's college coach in his pedigree. I think Billy Donovan does make the return to college basketball at some point. I just don't think that some point is with the Texas Longhorns. Another Here's a couple more names on the list of the why not try category. Jay Wright, who you may have seen on CBS this past weekend, um, just retired from Villanova. I don't see Jay dipping his toe back into college basketball on the coaching side of things. I think he'll be a, a staple on television coverage the rest of the way for his career, but I don't see him going back to, into the college game. John Calipari. All right. This is an interesting one, and one that is also highlighted by many others as well as a guy that could be in the running for the next head coach. Now, here's the interesting thing, because it feels like every media member has fired Coach Cal at this point. And listen, Kentucky's not living up to standards. They just got waxed this past weekend by Alabama by over 20 points. Things are not going according to plan right now in Lexington, and Cal's got the lifetime deal. I I just think that if you're Cal and you're you're looking for an out, this is the one right here. You can stay in the SEC. You're going to be poured in with football money. You're going to be given every resource available to you, which we've heard in the past the fights between Cal and Bob Stoops about resources at Kentucky. Kentucky's a basketball school through and through. One of the few that can stake that claim in the SEC. If I'm Cal, this is the way to get out right here. This is the perfect opportunity to maybe jump the ship. I don't know if it's ultimately going to become something that happens, but I... If I'm Cal, I find this to be the perfect opportunity to make the leap out of Lexington because I don't know when an opportunity as good as this one is going to become available to a guy like Coach Cal. He's going to have every single resource. NIL is going to be strong. I think that this is it. This is the move for Cal if he truly wants to get out. Now, if he's happy, stay at Kentucky because that is one of the top what three, five jobs in all of college basketball. Stay at Kentucky. Um but I do think that we are starting to see some of these traditional blue bloods really start to drop off in Kentucky. The early exit last season, it just seems like, especially in the era of NIL, the one-and-done model is getting tougher and tougher to win with, and that was always Coach Cal's bread and butter. Now, his team is a little different this year. He does have more of the the older guys. In fact, he has sort of leaned into the NIL and the returning of guys. I mean, he brought back the National Player of the Year, but 
I, I would like to see maybe Cal open a, up a new venture here, and I think Texas would be the, the perfect place to do that. Scott Drew's another interesting name on the why not try list. Um, head coach of Baylor, won a national title a couple years ago. I just don't know if Scott Drew wants to make that sort of leap. I think he's very comfortable down at, at Baylor, and even though Texas is quote-unquote a better job, I, I think that if you're Scott Drew and, and – it seems like he's a really happy guy down in, in Waco. Why not stay and, and continue to build what you're doing? Because you could leave for, for Texas, and boy, would that rile up some Baylor fans. But I, I think that Scott Drew is pretty cushy in his spot right now. The other two uh, names that, that are also on this list of why not try, Matt Painter and Tony Bennett. Uh, Matt Painter at Purdue, Tony Bennett at Virginia. I don't see either of those guys leaving. I think that this job, their jobs are too good where they're at, and they're too settled in at this point. That making the leap to Texas is something that I don't think is going to happen. Now, the other name on the why not try is the one that keeps coming up whenever there is a college job, especially a major college job open. You heard it, of course, during the Indiana saga. Brad Stevens, the Boston Celtics general manager, right now. I don't see Brad dipping his toe back into the college ranks, but boy, would it be fun. Boy, would it be fun. Now, here's here's Goodman's get them on the phone tier. And these are all guys that I think are legitimate candidates to make the leap over to Texas. Atop the list, Bruce Pearl at Auburn, followed by Nate Oates at Alabama, Eric Musselman at Arkansas, Jerome Tang from Kansas State, Kelvin Sampson, Houston, Jamie Dixon, TCU, Chris Holtman, Ohio State. I think there's a lot of very realistic candidates on this list. You look at Bruce Pearl, and he's a guy who has built sustained success at Auburn now, has kind of made it out the other side of some NCAA allegations as well. He brought Auburn to a Final Four in 2019, and he has turned Auburn around, him along with Nate Oates. I look at those two guys at traditional football powers. And maybe Nate Oates doesn't get as much credit because Alabama's been as good at football as it has the last couple of years, while Auburn is sort of in turmoil right now on the football side of things. But I think that those two coaches are names that if you have the chance to make the hire and swing them from those schools, you do it because Pearl's a fantastic coach, connects really well with his players, and he's a great recruiter on top of all that. That's the guy that I want. Nate Oates... He's a guy who's now building up some NBA pedigree because of the fact that he's gotten a lot of guys to the pro level. You look at a, a number of names that have gone pro out of Nate Oates' Alabama programs and what he's going to have in this year's draft. You've heard me salivate over Brandon Miller, my, my college basketball man crush right now. I I think that he's going to have a lot of cachet on the recruiting trail moving forward, and you're already seeing it with some of the recruits that he's brought in, some five stars to a football school. You don't see that at a lot of other places. So Nate Oates, I think, is a guy that the way that he's got Alabama playing, and I'll talk about them when we get to, to my top 12, the way that he's got Alabama playing right now, that's, that's the guy atop my list. I am a huge Nate Oates fan. I think he's a great recruiter, and he just gets the modern era of basketball, threes and defense. He's the guy that's atop my list right now. Interesting couple names here. As well, Jerome Tang, who is one of the fast risers among the coaching ranks right now. He was an assistant at Baylor. Now he's the head coach at Kansas State, and he has completely revitalized 
that K-State program taking over for Bruce Weber. He's got the Wildcats in a group of, of teams that could win the Big 12 this year. And I think that with Tang, he's just going to be one of those guys. If Texas doesn't snatch him up, someone else will if there's a big job that becomes available. So Jerome Tang is another one and maybe is the most realistic of all these guys. Kelvin Sampson, I'm not sure if he's looking at leaving. He's certainly in the back end of his career right now. And I think he's just comfortable at Houston. He's built them up to be the number one team in the country. Why would you leave that if you don't have to? So Kelvin Sampson, I think pretty comfortable there. Jamie Dixon at TCU. Um, I look at Dixon as, even though he's got TCU playing well this year, TCU's his alma mater. He left Pitt to go to TCU, which was at the time a puzzling jump. But you look at all, I don't think Jamie Dixon is leaving for TCU to go to Texas. I think he would have rather just stayed at Pitt and then maybe Texas becomes available somewhere down the line and he would make a jump there. I just think he's settled in at TCU, coaching at his alma mater. Don't see him leaving. Um, and the last name on the list, uh, Chris Holtman, Ohio State. I just think Chris Tol- Holtman kind of screams Midwest to me. He was at Butler, now he's at Ohio State. I don't see him leaving the Buckeyes unless it is a supreme job that he would be leaving for. Um, another name that's thrown out there here is Royal Ivy. He's an assistant coach with the uh, Brooklyn Nets right now. He was a, a former Longhorn, and um, he was a he's a he's worked with. Kevin Durant, who is the most notable Texas basketball alum in program history. Now, while KD may give his vote of support there, I just don't know if we'll see Royal Ivy make that jump to college. I think he will be a head coach one day. Will it be in college? Maybe. But I think he's probably trying to gear up for a a job with the uh, with an NBA team somewhere down the line. And I the jump from college to the pros I don't think is as easy as it may look given some of the guys that we do see in college. I think um I think that Ivy's game uh, Ivy's mind is probably in the the head coaching ranks in the NBA. And then Goodman gets into this, who he thinks Texas will end up hiring and it's the pick that I agree with as well. That is Jerome Tang from Kansas State. I just think you look at the way that he's risen through the ranks. He's been around Texas without being part of the Texas program, whether it was his time at Baylor as an assistant, whether it was um, now in the Big 12. I mean, Kansas just laid the hammer down. They dropped 116 points in regulation on Texas uh, about a week ago. So I, I think Tang is is the the good pick here. To, to be the next head coach of Kansas or of, uh, of Texas rather. So I would look at him. Another name that I think is interesting that Goodman doesn't mention, if he has a strong close to 2023, and I don't know if that's necessarily possible, but something that people listening to this show in particular in the Midwest may be interested in is Brad Underwood, head coach of Illinois right now. He's had a lot of success there and has severely underwhelmed this season so far. I think if Brad can close out the year strong, he will insert his name into that Texas conversation. And again, this is not a hire that's going to be made in the next month or two. This is a hire that's going to be made pretty much whenever Texas is out of the the tournament slash whenever um, the coach that is going on to Texas 
is eliminated from the NCAA tournament. That is the, the timeline here. So we're looking at end of March, early April, in all likelihood, as the the time frame. Brad's got some time now to, to try to change that narrative surrounding him. One other name I want to keep my eye on as well is Dennis Gates at Missouri. What he's done turning around the the Missouri program, especially on the offensive side. This was a team ranked outside the top 150 in terms of offensive efficiency a year ago. They're now top five in the country, and Missouri is looking like a surprise team in the SEC. That's another guy I'm keeping my eye on because Dennis Gates, and think of the ripple effect here too. Let's say Brad Underwood does turn turn the ship around, ends up taking the job at at, um, at Texas. I think Dennis Gates is a, is a, the next guy at Illinois. I think that's the ripple effect you would be seeing um, if it were all to, to come to fruition. But again, that is all contingent on if Brad can turn that around. A um, couple other guys that are, are mentioned. Um, Eric Musselman's a guy who I think is just kind of content there right now at, at his spot in Arkansas. And then a lot of people are wondering too, could Rodney Terry who is the interim right now, 5-1 start since taking over the program ever since Beard was put on administrative leave and ultimately fired, could Rodney Terry actually get this job, the interim head coach right now? And I think that it's complicated, but if Terry does well, this would just be the sort of the easy path. You just give him a little salary bump here. If he makes a deep tournament run with this Texas team, it would be hard to say no, Listen, I think if you have the opportunity to hire a Bruce Pearl or a Nate Oates or even some of those big fish that Goodman mentioned, you do it. But I think Rodney Terry, I mean, he's 54 years old. Uh, he's been around beard, beard as well. He's got sort of that, uh, that he knows the style of play that he wants this Texas team to be playing with. And I think that was one of the, the big draws for, for bringing Beard in. Not only is he an alum of... Uh, Texas, but I mean, he's had a, a track record of success. If Rodney Terry can impart that track record of success, why not? Why can't he be the the head coach uh, of Texas? But I think right now, if you can, my pick would be if you had your druthers right now, I'm going after Nate Oates, but I think realistically, Nate's pretty comfortable down there at Alabama. Um, and I don't know if he would necessarily view Texas as a better job than Alabama. And I would say that uh, Jerome Tang is probably the the pick that ultimately comes to fruition. Speaking of Texas, by the way, as we move along here, um, I saw this on Twitter from a, a notable Texas alum who I just mentioned not too long ago, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant getting into the, the college basketball weeds this past week. Just tweeting out, out of the blue, that's a tough win on the road by Purdue. Ohio State got some young hoopers over there. That Big Ten is some good bump. I love seeing, like, you, you see all the time, like, college players supporting the women's game. And, and I think that what, what you're seeing is just basketball players support basketball players. doesn't matter if they're... Women, doesn't matter if they're in college, high school, I mean, even like AAU tournaments for, for sixth, seventh, and eighth grades, like basketball players support basketball players. I think it is the strongest sort of brother and sisterhood that exists right now in all of sports. And he followed that up because somebody quote tweeted him and said, hope you don't didn't change the channel because these IU boys doing the same thing. <laughs> and Kevin Durant goes, IU should be up 20, but they're playing solid right now. And we know how that game turned out. Uh, Indiana blows a 21-point lead to Iowa. 
And I think it's good to see Kevin Durant has an eye on the college game. He's, he's always been a basketball lover. Nobody, I know he gets a lot of flack for how he communicates on social media. For me, Kevin Durant's the most entertaining basketball player there is, not just from an encore, but also from a fan standpoint as well, because people get mad. People crave access and then get upset when the access they are given it doesn't go according to how they want it to go when he is clapping back at people on, on Twitter. I find it highly entertaining. And you know what? I think Kevin Durant is right 99% of the time as well, too. So I enjoy seeing his interactions here. But shout out Ke- Kevin Durant, uh, noted college basketball fan. Love, love seeing that right now. All right. Let's get into this conversation of how we've seen the dynamic shift from preseason polls to where we are now. I'm going to go through each of the conferences, each of the major conferences here, give you the the top three preseason, the top three now, and just sort of my prevailing thought from it all. All right. So let's start in the ACC, where in the preseason, it was UNC, the preseason number one, followed by Duke, and then Virginia. As we sit here right now, none of those three teams are currently atop the ACC standings. They Those three teams that I mentioned are all in a cluster right now, tied for fourth in the ACC. The current top three, this may sound like a, a football uh, standings that I'm about to dish out to you here. Clemson at 5-0, and Miami at 4-1, and and Pitt at 4-1. and Now, Clemson is maybe a team that we could have seen having this sort of success. We do see frequently in the ACC, there's the the pop-up team that's just got an older backcourt that allows them to have a lot of success. And Clemson is that team right now. They're 5-0, and currently in first place, and you look at some of the guys on their roster. Chase Hunter's a junior who's playing really well. Brevin Galloway, a senior. These are the guys that are leading this team right now, so it shouldn't be that big of a surprise. Alex Hemingway, another guy. It shouldn't be, uh, he's a senior. Shouldn't be that big of a surprise right now. They're currently 5-0 and in the ACC And even though they haven't played any of the big boys yet, like Duke, Carolina, Virginia, they have pulled off some some nice wins. You talk about a a road win at Georgia Tech by 13. Anytime you win by double digits on the road in conference, that's impressive to me. Um, A road win at Virginia Tech and then a road win, a gritty one the other day against Clemson or against Pitt, rather. Um, I look at 5-0 is 5-0. And do I think Clemson's going to win the ACC? No. But I think... This is a good start for them, and I think that they will finish among the top three or four teams in the conference right now just because of the lead that they've built and the fact that there's a backcourt that can sustain success. Um, Another reason why I think we are where we are right now is Carolina was a team that was just sort of trying to find its stride early on, and I think they finally started to do that. They did have the the head-scratching loss to Pitt the other day. Um but they dominated uh, Notre Dame at home. They they beat Wake Forest pretty comfortably at home as well. Now you take on Virginia tonight. I think that Carolina is a team that's just sort of finding its stride. I'm not worried about them. I do think that they will figure into the mix of top three seeds in the ACC when it's all said and done. And then the other sort of discrepancy and prevailing thought I have here is Duke's freshmen have just not lived up to the hype this year. You look at... I thought this could be another season that we saw in 2019 when they had Zion, RJ, Cam Reddish, just a a crop of really talented freshmen. 
And they have the talented freshmen. They have one, two, and five in in a lot of recruiting rankings. But those guys have not lived up to the hype this year. Derek Whitehead has struggled mightily. Derek Lively, the number one player in the country, has not been good this year. You've seen a number of games where he's only getting like 10, 12 minutes. That's the number one recruit in the country. Um, Last time Duke had a guy with that level of talent, it was RJ Barrett, Zion Williamson. And those guys were playing 30, 35, 40 minutes every single night. So the Duke freshmen, they're going to be the ones that dictate how far this team can go. And right now it doesn't look like they can take them very far the way that they're playing. All right. Onto the big East preseason. Creighton was your number one. That was followed by Xavier and Villanova. Now Villanova has had their growing pains this year. I don't think that they're a team that's set up for long-term success. They don't have the guard position figured out right now. Um, Or I should say they have it figured out. It's just not at the standard of Villanova basketball that we've seen in years past. The luck of the Friarish continues to be alive and well. When you look at Providence right now, they are currently on a nine-game winning streak. They've squeaked out some wins, including a home victory against St. John's uh, this past weekend. They also have beaten UConn, a double OT victory against Marquette. Um, this, This Providence team, I think, is solid. I'm not totally sold on them quite yet. They did the same thing last year. Um, but we'll, we'll wait and see on Providence. And I think UConn gets there, even though they weren't, uh, one of the teams that is in the top three of either standings right now. Um, I think they will get there. Um, they've just had a bit of a a bumpy stretch here in big East play. I still think that they are the team to beat in the big East right now. And the odds reflect that. In fact, you can get plus money on it right now. UConn plus 130 on FanDuel to win the Big East regular season right now. And if you look at the standings um, for the conference, the right now are 4-2. and two. You've got Providence and Xavier at 6-0 and 5-0, and but I do think UConn ends up catching them uh, later on this season. On to the Big Ten. All right, this is where things get really weird here, all right? Your preseason top three, Indiana, Illinois, and Michigan. Indiana's had some injuries, but they also just have not played very well this year. They blew a 21-point lead. Listen, like the injuries are an excuse for some teams, and I get that, but injuries don't excuse blowing a 21-point lead. Injuries don't excuse losing to Northwestern at home. Injuries don't excuse a 22-point loss to Kansas. Like one player does not make up that big of a difference. And now it's a collection of players. I get that. With Xavier Johnson, Jalen Hood Shafino has been in and out of the lineup as well. Um, and Trey, uh, and uh, Trey Gall, uh, Race Thompson, I mean, um, also dealing with injuries now, too. This Indiana team has just been through a whirlwind here. I don't think there's any chance of them winning the Big Ten this season. Just the way that their their health has gone and and just the overall disappointment that I've sort of seen out of them this year, not looking very good. All right, here's what the, the top of the standings look like right now. You've got Purdue in sole possession of first place in the Big Ten at 4-1. and one. Then you've got a collection of 3-1 and one teams. You've got Michigan State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Northwestern, all 3-1 and one right now. And I look at... 
this, and I, I just want to kind of sort through this cluster here. What's real, what's not real in this three-in-one cluster? Michigan State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Northwestern. If I had to rank how I think those four teams will play out the rest of the year, I would go Wisconsin, Michigan State, Michigan, Northwestern. Um, my reason behind it is I think that Wisconsin has gotten some solid guard play this year. They did just lose to Illinois on the road. Um, but I look at Wisconsin and Tyler wall wasn't a part of that game either. He's their best player. Um, there's more pieces that I believe in on Wisconsin. I think Michigan probably has the best collection of talent of that group that I just laid out there, but Michigan has had some really head-scratching losses this season. Central Michigan. Um, and then just uh, they got blown out by Arizona State earlier this year. And then some some games where they make it look a little more competitive than it really was against North Carolina, Kentucky, uh, Virginia, um, and then losing this week to Michigan State. Michigan State was in control of that game for its entirety. Um, so not... I think that Michigan's got the best collection of talent of those four, but I just don't know how that collection of talent's going to play out there. And then Northwestern, I mean, the the luck's going to rub off at a certain point too. They, they they take on Rutgers this week. I think Rutgers handles them pretty well. Um, I think if they get into some of these defensive battles and play some of these defensive-minded teams in the Big Ten, it's not going to end well because Northwestern can't do anything offensively. Um, and they just rely too much on their defense and they're going to meet a team that's a little more balanced offense to defense. And I think that's going to be a struggle for them. So I am not a, a buyer in Northwestern at this point right now. Um, and then, yeah, I mean the, the other thing too, uh, Illinois losing sky Clark, I think is going to be an interesting watch for the rest of the year. Um, sky Clark leaving the program, so we'll see what happens in that Illinois backcourt. All right, let's move on to the Big 12 here. Uh, I also have my top 12 coming up in a little bit too. So in the preseason, Baylor, Kansas, Texas. I think you couldn't go wrong with either three of those teams atop your, your standings. But as we sit here on January 10th, you've got Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State. I think that what we're seeing right now is that Kansas continues to be the standard but I also think we're going to start to see a little Big 12 flavor of the week. I, I think that's something we may have to institute here on the show because each week I become infatuated with a new Big 12 team. This week, that team is Kansas State and what they have done over the past week. You'll hear them later in my top 12. But going out and dominating the state of Texas this week, they beat Texas on the road, 116-103, and they beat Baylor on the road, 97-95, in overtime. Those are two extremely impressive wins, not to mention a home victory against West Virginia earlier um, this year as well. So I like what I've seen out of Kansas State. I mentioned Jerome Tang as the guy that I think um, will probably end up being the next head coach of Texas, and if he continues to roll through the Big 12 like this, He's going to get a lot of head coaching looks across the country. So Jerome Tang, I think, is he is the the coach of the year in the Big 12 right now for me and what he's done to turn it around. And the latest bracketology right now, by the way, according to, to Joe Lenardi, all 10 teams in the Big 12 are in the conversation for the tournament. All 10 of them. And I get, like, it's a smaller conference, so that certainly helps when you use the word all the teams are in the conversation, but right now you've got 
uh, one team in the first four out and another team in the next four out. And the other eight teams in the field of 68 as we speak, according to Joe Lenardi. So there's a chance all 10 teams get in, um, but there could be a little bit of cannibalism that maybe prevents that from happening. All right. On to the Pac-12, where UCLA, Arizona, and Oregon were your preseason top three. Now, UCLA is still your number one, but you've got Utah and Arizona State as your two and three in the Pac-12 at the moment. And listen, UCLA is just taking care of business night after night. Close call against uh, USC the other day. Um, But Arizona, with some inexcusable losses right now, and a reason why they are not in the top three. They lost to Utah on the road. They lost to Washington State at home. Probably should have lost to Washington at home as well. That that back-to-back bad performances by Arizona, and I've kind of given people some warning about this too with Arizona, there's going to be nights where the offense isn't clicking and they are going to lose because the defense is not good enough. And we saw that against Utah and we saw that against Washington State, and it played out once again. Now they've got a little Oregon stretch on the road against Oregon State and Oregon. We'll see. And right now it just kind of looks like UCLA's holding serve. I still think this is a two-team conference between Arizona and UCLA, but I think that you're going to be looking at an Arizona team that um, you're going to see some inexcusable losses, and I don't think you're going to see as many of those for, for UCLA along the way. On to my favorite conference of basketball that I've watched so far this season, and that is the SEC, um, where your preseason top three, it was Kentucky, Arkansas, and Tennessee. As we sit here on January 10th, Tennessee is your number one, tied with Alabama, each of those teams 3-0 and and 13-2 and overall. And then how about Texas A&M? They're 2-0 right now in the conference, um, albeit with, with victories against Florida and LSU, not the, the tippy top um, of the conference, but they're in the mix right now. Listen, he, here's what I look at when I'm, I see the SEC right now. Kentucky has fallen off because the defense is bad. All their losses are by nine or more points. Um, and they just haven't looked like a, necessarily like an interested team at times this year. I don't know if it's the the rumors with their head coach that are kind of plaguing them right now or what, but Kentucky's been an ugly watch this year, and case in point was their 26-point their loss to Alabama over the weekend. Um, Alabama's where they are right now because the freshmen have grown up very quickly, and this is kind of looking like a two-horse race to win the conference right now between Tennessee and Alabama, but I don't think that's necessarily an indicator of how many good teams are in the SEC. Missouri's been a lot of fun to watch this year. Auburn's been good. Arkansas, I think, is a good team with a bad record right now. Maybe they get a little bit of health, a little bit of health to swing their way too. And eventually, I do think Kentucky finds its footing, but if the Calipari rumors continue to heat up, then who knows where that goes. Um, Overall, though, this is the most exciting brand of basketball to watch night in and night out, in my opinion, in the SEC, Um, and that's where we're at right now. All right, so you've seen sort of the shakeup at the top three of, of the conferences from preseason to where we are now. Let's get into my top 12, and we start at number 12 with Texas, who jumps back into the rankings after Chris Beard um, was let go by the university, got a nice road win against Oklahoma State. The Kansas State loss isn't looking as bad now, 
And I just want to see how they respond under Rodney Terry. If the response is strong the rest of the way, uh, Texas will continue to be in my top 12 for the remainder of the season. But right now they are situating themselves at 12 after being bounced from the rankings last week. Number 11, a team that is jumping in as well to the top 12 and a team that beat Texas is Kansas State. They are my Big 12 flavor of the week right now. Um, Back-to-back wins in the state of Texas, like I mentioned a little bit earlier. We probably could have seen this coming, too, with Kansas State if you believed in Jerome Tang as much as uh, some people did heading into the season. But they've got a lot of veterans on their team, and I think when you've got a new coach and you have as many veterans as you do, that's helpful, especially when you've got a coach coming from a really strong culture like Tang was from Baylor. Uh, Marquise Noel, senior on this team, not the biggest guy, 5'8 guard, but just a, a guy that you want on your team. Fantastic facilitator, number two in the entire country in assist rate. And then Keontae Johnson. You know, this is a guy who a lot of people thought would never play basketball again. Remember, this was a guy who had heart issues at Florida, collapsed on the court a couple years ago. Um, and this is obviously interesting now in the wake of everything that's happened with DeMar Hamlin, but Keontae Johnson was a guy that people thought would not play basketball ever again, despite being the SEC preseason player of the year, the year that he collapsed. And he's gone out and had a fantastic season, shooting 42% from three, senior on this team. It's just a great story and a great player and a great leader for this Kansas team right now. But pretty much everyone that you're going to see in their starting lineup and their rotations are a junior or a senior. There's one guy, Cam Carter, who's a sophomore. But everyone else that's getting major minutes on this team is an upperclassman. And that's a big reason why Kansas State has been so good this year and I think will continue to be good. They can go um, and pick up another trip on the the Texas Grand Slam this week. Saturday, they are at TCU. If they beat TCU on the road there... Then they have a chance to to run the gauntlet in Texas because you've got a trip to Texas Tech later on, and that's probably the easiest of the four. Um, But again, we don't know what those teams are going to look like when we do get to February. All right, number 10 on my list, Xavier. They bump up a spot. Road win against Villanova. They're on a nine-game winning streak right now. Xavier's just playing some steady basketball. They are my number 10 team in my top 12. Number nine, the biggest dipper in my top 12 list, that is the Arizona Wildcats, the terrible loss at home to Washington State, and they should have lost to Washington as well. Again, if the defense doesn't at least compete night in and night out, they're going to have losses. Um, the offense is great. The offense has the ability to win a shootout, but we know that offense can have off nights. I don't think defense has off nights. So Arizona taking the dip six spots down to nine. Steady climb continues for Gonzaga. They're in my number 18. They bump up the spot. Listen, I don't expect to see Gonzaga make a leap in my top 12 the rest of the way by more than a spot. Maybe if there's a lot of losses in a certain week, especially in the area where Gonzaga is in my top 12, you'll see them take a two-spot bump. But I don't think I see them getting these major bumps throughout the season. I think it's just going to be a steady climb for Gonzaga, and they end up in my top four eventually. But they needed a run at the end against Santa Clara. Rasir Bolton was bad all game and then hit some clutch shots. Drew Timmy was great in the second half. That's just a team that learned that's learned how to win over the course of time. And uh, this was just an example of that this past week against Santa Clara when it looked like they were dead to rights. So their steady climb continues. 
All right, a team that was one of my biggest droppers uh, last week has moved up a spot this week, and that is the Connecticut Huskies. They move up a spot to seven. Good rebound win against Creighton. Fended off a couple of Blue Jay runs. Adama Sonogo, 26-9 and in that game. They're going to need to continue that sort of play, and they're going to need to continue to get some, some guard play. Um, they got five three-pointers from their backcourt last week. Um, if they continue to get some three-point shooting from their guards, they will be all right. So uh, UConn is my number seven team. Um, a team that it didn't feel right to not move at all, but that's kind of just how it all shook out, um, was Tennessee. They beat South Carolina by 43 points this past weekend. Um, and they also held uh, G.G. Jackson, who was a reclassified number one overall player. in the cl- He was supposed to be the number one overall player in this upcoming class, reclassified uh, to South Carolina, was supposed to go to UNC, um, but they just didn't have the spots for him this year. So he's going to be a lottery pick in all likelihood, but Tennessee held him scoreless in their 43-point win against South Carolina. Felt wrong not moving them, but all right, we'll we'll see what happens. Again, it's South Carolina, team that's outside the top 200 in Ken Palm right now. So Tennessee is going to hold serve at six. Another team that's holding serve and just staying steady is UCLA. Close call against USC. If they had blown out the Trojans, I would have considered moving them to four. But their 11-game winning streak right now is the fourth longest in the country. UCLA is winning the battle of attrition right now against Arizona, and that was one of the most intriguing storylines to me in the Pac-12 heading into this season. Who would win that war? And right now, UCLA is doing it with flying colors. They're out to a 5-0 start in the Pac-12. Next up. Inside my top four, these would be your four one seeds in my opinion, um, according to my top 12, if the season were to end today, by the way. Uh, Purdue takes a three-spot bump, and they check in at number four. That was a gritty road win against Ohio State. Back and forth game, and Purdue ekes it out. You know, I've been really impressed by them in sort of what they did this week. Tough road win against Ohio State, and then another road win where they beat Penn State by 13. It was back and forth at the start, and then uh, Purdue just kind of put the put the gas on and didn't look back. One of the most impressive players to me on this Purdue team, Zach Eady gets all the headlines, but Fletcher Lawyer, that kid's got some stones, and. You know, it's kind of like the, those late game situations last year. You knew the ball was going to Jaden Ivey, but these guys seem like different types of alphas. Jaden Ivey was an alpha because he was a lottery pick to be top five pick eventually. And he was just the guy that you knew the ball had to be in his hands because he was the star. Fletcher Lawyer is not the best player on this team. That obviously goes to Zach Eady. But you look at Lawyer and. You can't always go to Zach Eady in crunch time, right? Seven foot four guy. The playbook's pretty limited with what you can draw up for a guy like him. With Lawyer, he hits these big time threes, and they're not always game winning threes. They're not always go ahead threes, but sometimes they're the put the champagne on ice threes. And his ability to do that as a true freshman. Like he looks at it as almost effort. No one else is qualified to take this shot. So I'm gonna take it. And that sort of confidence and alpha mentality, it's different than Jaden Ivey's just because there was the NBA future for Ivey, whereas I think you'll see Lawyer in college for three or four years. 
but it's just as important. And I think at the college game is actually even better to have. So Fletcher Lawyer, watching him grow, he's going to be one of those pesky Big Ten guys that we're going to be looking at for the next couple of years and wondering how they're still in college. And he's got that different sort of confidence and swagger to him. And he's really the reason why, like, Zach Eadie's why Purdue gets headlines. Fletcher Lawyer is why they're a top five team in the country. So uh, just the fact that he's been able to do what he's done as a true freshman, super, super impressive to me. Purdue bumping up three spots in my top 12. All right, Alabama goes up a spot this week to number three, crush Kentucky, held Oscar Shibway to his fifth single-digit rebounding output uh, of his time at Kentucky. You know, it's not often that you win a game when you allow 20-plus offensive rebounds, which is exactly what Alabama did, and you almost never win that game by 26 points. Brandon Miller, another great game for him, 19-7. and uh, My man crush on him continues. He will be the first college player taken off the board in the NBA draft. Um, Alabama continues to roll here. I love what I'm seeing out of that team. Also got a nice performance off the bench from Javon Quinterly as well. Um, they are my team to beat right now in the SEC. Uh, on to my top two here. I've got at number two, holding serve, Kansas did not move, 14-point road win against West Virginia. You know, they've got a great blend of talent um, just across the board when you look at the, the roster that they've compiled this season. You know, you've got transfer, you've got returning players, you've got impact freshmen, You've got a steady point guard. like It's just championship formula stuff that Kansas has once again. Here's the one thing that I'm intrigued by, though. I'm interested to see how they handle t- height in the tournament. You're not going to get it in the Big 12. Nobody's in the, in the tops of height right now. In fact, TCU is the tallest team in the Big 12, and they are 70th in the entire country. It's not very tall. Um, Duke and Indiana are the only teams that they have beaten by uh, double digits this or that they have played so far that are in the top 50 in height and they beat Duke early on but that was a Duke team that was just starting to get some of their height back uh with Derek Lively um and then Indiana you didn't win that game because um uh, of height or discrepancy no you won that game because you actually won it because of your lack of size maybe because of the switch ability and Indiana just turning the ball over all the time so I think that Kansas you could maybe run into a, a team that can out-rebound you and out-physical you in the tournament, but for right now, I think it's all right. They're not a great rebounding team, but you may not have to be in the Big 12 because the, I don't figure there will be a ton of great rebounding teams, at least due to height, in the Big 12 this year. Then my number one, who's everyone's number one, you go across the board, Ken Palm, uh, Bart Torvik, The Net, BPI, all that good stuff, and my top 12 here. That is the Houston Cougars. 13-point um, road win against Cincy, who's a solid team. You know, the real thing that caught my eye this past week, freshman, five-star guy, Jarris Walker. He goes 23-10 and 10, and then 21-5 and three steals. If he's going to unlock this level of scoring and conference play, I mean, they're going to be a team that cruises to the Final Four because I think that if he's playing like this, Houston's got a real chance to run the table in the AAC, and I just really like what I've seen out of them. Marcus Sasser's starting to play a little bit better. He's been a little up and down so far this season, Um, but overall, this team just 
plays, really connected basketball. They rebound the basketball well. They're the number two defense in the country, number 10 offense in the country. They slow the game down. They don't have to. You're not going to see a lot of teams reach 60 against Houston. And I think that when you look at the, the coach as well, has created an excellent culture there with Kelvin Sampson. That team just plays harder than 90% of teams in college basketball. In fact, I would even say it's probably more like 99% of teams. This team plays hard every single night, um, and that's why I think that it'll be tough for them to get tripped up because they really do bring it every single night, and they know that the the target's on their back every single night. Houston, my number one team in the top 12. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Basketball U. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, including on the ESPN Chicago app. We will be back next week to talk all things college hoops and recap what should be a great weekend in college basketball. We'll talk to you guys next week. 